we? All right, well, um, in case you're confused, it is March, it's not January outside, okay? So um, if this is your first time here, uh, we want to say a welcome to Firewell, and we're glad that you're here. We know you have a choice um, of where you can be on Sunday mornings, and we want you to know uh, that we're glad that you're here. Now, Pastor Adrian, who you normally see up here, um, is actually in Massachusetts this weekend, and as they remember and celebrate the life of his grandmother, he's actually also preaching this weekend up there as well. And um, so Adrian um, had asked me uh, a couple of weeks ago if I would uh, be willing to preach this morning, and I have said this anytime I get a chance to be up here that I always consider it an honor to be able to stand up here and share the word of the Lord with you anytime I am given the opportunity. Um, for those of you who I have not met, my name's Kevin Davis, and um, I'm one of the elders here at Firewell Bible Fellowship. I'm also one of our teachers um, on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights, and uh, my wife Jeanette and I um, have called Firewell our home for about the past 18 years, and so for us, this is home. So before we jump into the text this morning, I wanted you to think about the following question. Who is Jesus? Now, it sounds very basic. It sounds very simple, but who is Jesus? What does Scripture tell us about him? What does our culture, what does history tell us about him? But most importantly, what do we believe about Jesus? Do we truly know and understand who he is? Are we continually sharing what we know about Jesus with others? I think there has been and continues to be often a misunderstanding of who Jesus actually is, not just in our culture and our society, but oftentimes in churches today as well. And there are a variety of different views on Jesus. Uh, some say that he was a teacher, a prophet, Messiah, son of Mary, son of God. Many simply say that Jesus was simply a good man and nothing more. Some say that he never even existed at all. Now here's some quotes I want to share with you this morning from um, some, some well-known people and what they have said about Jesus in the past. Now there's a gentleman who was the uh, former emperor of Ethiopia, Haile Selassie, and he was once quoted as saying, do not worship me, I am not God, I am only a man, I worship Jesus Christ. Now those of you who might have been to the heavy metal music scene like I was in the 80s at one time, might remember a guy named Ronnie James Dio, and uh, Ronnie James Dio once said that, I think that Jesus was a prophet but I've had a difficult time coming to terms with him as the Son of God. And finally, we look at a gentleman named Kurt Warner. He was a former NFL Hall of Fame quarterback of the subject of the movie American Underdog, and he once said this, what I am is a man who lives his life for Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. Now, while it can be beneficial to hear what different people have to say about their own views of Jesus, 
Today, we are going to do what we do every Sunday here at Firewell Bible Fellowship, and we're going to refer to the Word of God. And one of the people that we're going to be looking at this morning is a man by the name of John the Baptist. Now, John will ask himself, ask Jesus himself a very important question. So we'll get into the scripture this morning. Our text this morning comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. It says, when Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in their cities. Now, when John had heard in prison about the deeds of the Christ, he sent word by his disciples and said to him, are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? And Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good news preached to them, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we thank you that we have access to your word. We thank you, Lord, that we are allowed to gather here together in person. And Father, my prayer this morning is that you help all of us to be free from any distractions, Lord, with whatever we have going on in our own life, Lord, that we would be able to put that to the side and that you'd help us to focus this morning on what it is you want us to focus on and that you would be pleased with the message that your name would be glorified through it, Lord, for you and you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we study the text that we just read, the author tells us that Jesus was, as was often the case, in the presence of his 12 disciples. Now, we see that throughout all four of the Gospels. Now, one of these disciples, Matthew, who's also called Levi, was the same was the author of this gospel bearing his name. Now, this is the same Matthew that Pastor Adrian preached about last week when he discussed the calling of Matthew by Jesus. Now, in the text, we observe that Jesus is involved in three distinct activities that were a huge part of his earthly ministry. Instructing, teaching, and preaching. Now, what was he instructing his disciples about? Well, if we go back to chapter 10, we would see that Jesus had told the disciples about a couple of things, one of which was the importance of the fear of God. And he also told them that those who followed Jesus were going to encounter significant persecution and division. And if we had time, we would go in and we would read in the book of Acts and we would read that this does indeed come true. For those who follow Jesus, they do encounter significant persecution. Now, Matthew then reintroduces us to John the Baptist in verse 2 of chapter 11. Now, there was a John who was one of the 12 disciples, but this is actually a different John. And this John had a different type of relationship with Jesus than the 12 apostles did. He actually had an encounter with Mary, the mother of Jesus, before John himself was ever even born. We'll jump briefly over to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, and it says, In those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. 
And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now the observation we make here is that even before John the Baptist was actually born, he was alive. He leaped in his mother's womb, but for what reason? Why did he leap? Because he heard the sound of Mary, the mother of the Lord. See, the statement right here that I'm going to say is very true. It says that John the Baptist was called before he was ever born. See, John the Baptist had a special calling to prepare the way for the Lord Jesus Christ, but he was called before he was even born. Pastor Adrian has spoken a number of times this year about the sovereignty of God. Now, the definition that Adrian provided for us was that the sovereignty of God was God's comprehensive rule over all of life. Well, this particular story right here regarding John the Baptist is an example of just that. John the Baptist served a sovereign God who called him before he was ever born. I've always found John the Baptist to be an interesting man in the Bible, kind of a unique man in the New Testament. He had a specific mission and he had a special calling. His ministry was a ministry of repentance. But see, John spoke the unfiltered truth. He didn't really tiptoe around people's feelings. He referred to the religious elite of the day as a brood of vipers. Okay? Um, I'm not sure how welcome John the Baptist would be in the church today. He might be something of an outcast. But he was called by God and he spoke truth. Now, John also baptized Jesus. Imagine if you had the opportunity to baptize the Messiah. Now, we read from the Gospel of John where it says that John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. And the next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John had a mission to prepare the way for the Messiah. He was called to do this before he was ever born. Yet, as he sits in prison, John begins to doubt. He began to wonder if this Jesus, the son of Mary, was he really the true Messiah? You see, trials can challenge our faith, can't they? Have you ever doubted God? Anybody ever doubted God? I know I have. We read the following quote from Randy Kilgore, who says that questioning and doubting, both understandable human responses, are opportunities to remind, reassure, and comfort those who were shaken by uncertainty. I don't think it's a stretch to say that we encounter uncertainty on a regular basis. 
See, John was shaken. Being in prison, understandably, began to weigh on John as he awaited certain death. But let's take a note of the following. John's doubt did not stop him. And that's very key here. John's doubt did not stop him. What did John do? He sought Jesus out. He sent his own disciples or his own followers to ask Jesus who he was. Are you the one who is to come? Or shall we look for another? Notice that the text doesn't say that John sent his disciples or his followers to ask the disciples of Jesus who he was or to ask those who had witnessed his miracles or to those who had been personally healed by Jesus. No, John gets his followers to go directly to the source himself, to Jesus. And this brings us to our first point this morning. If you want to know who Jesus is, seek him out. If you want to know who Jesus is, seek him out. Now, you may say, well, that's crazy. How can I seek Jesus out? Well, thankfully, we have direct access to the Word of God. And the Word of God contains not just the words of Jesus himself, but the words of those who also were firsthand witnesses of what he did. And it tells us so much about Jesus. Did you know that God wants you to come to him? He wants you to seek him out. We read from the book of Jeremiah 29, 13, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. He wants you and I to seek him out. Now we go back to the text and let's see how Jesus responds to this request by John and his disciples. He tells them to go back and to tell John what? Tell them this, the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. See, I find it interesting here that Jesus doesn't scold John's disciples for asking him who he was. Why? Because our God is approachable. He is not some far-off, uncaring, distant, unreachable entity that cannot relate to what John or you and I are going through. He knew what John's mission was. He also knew that John was suffering for speaking the truth. And of course, he also knew what was going to happen to John in the very near future. Jesus wanted John to know that he, Jesus, that God the Father, that they are approachable. Yes, he is worthy of praise and honor and worship for all of eternity, but this same Jesus, who is my Lord and Master, is the same Jesus that I can humbly approach at any time. Which brings us to our second point this morning. We serve an approachable God. We serve an approachable God. Now, on the screen behind me, I have a list of some of the people who approached Jesus. Now, there's several more, but these are just a few of the ones that I put on the screen behind us. We have the rich young ruler 
from Mark chapter 10. We have someone who is simply described as a sinful woman from Luke chapter 7. We have Nicodemus and the nobleman whose son was ill from the Gospel of John. Now, while we don't have time this morning to go over all of these incidents in detail, we see that Jesus did allow these people to approach him. These people from different walks of life, Jesus allowed all of them to approach him. In the case of the rich young ruler from Mark chapter 10, Scripture tells us that he knelt before Jesus. A woman who is simply described as a sinner from Luke chapter 7 approaches Jesus weeping. She kisses and wipes his feet with her hair and her tears in the presence of others. Activity that would have seemed shameful or disgraceful. But again, Jesus does not scold either one of them or rebuke them for approaching him. How dare you come to me? I am the Son of God. What right do you have to approach me? No. Why? Because he wanted them to approach him. Now, you may recall, for those of you who were here last Sunday, that Pastor Adrian, in his one true statement from last Sunday, was that the invitation to sit at Jesus' table was for who? It was for everyone. The invitation to sit at Jesus' table is for everyone. And a perfect example of the approachability of Jesus comes from Luke chapter 18, verses 15 and 16. It says, Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Now, in Jewish society at that time, it was common for parents to bring their children to a rabbi for a blessing. The disciples, however, viewed these children as a nuisance, having no real value as if they were insignificant or irrelevant, but not to Jesus. Please hear me on this. I don't know what you may have been told in the past, but you are not insignificant. God does not view you as being insignificant. If he did, then he would not have sent his son to die for your sins. But that's not all. Yes, God wants us to approach him, which is true, but he also wants to reveal to us who he is. Jesus' reply to John reveals that Jesus is a miracle worker, but not just any miracle worker. You see, Jesus was the fulfillment of a prophecy by Isaiah himself, one of dozens of prophecies from the Old Testament which Jesus fulfilled. We read from Isaiah chapter 35, it says, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer. Jesus was and is a miracle worker, but he is so much more. As we return to the text in Matthew chapter 11, we now see in verse 6 that Jesus tells John, Blessed is the one who was not offended by me. Now the Greek word there for offended is the word scandalizo, and the literal meaning is to be trapped. What does Jesus want John and John's disciples to understand? 
it was not just about the miracles. There was and is a permanence to Jesus. The miracles may or may not be remembered. They may or may not last. But Jesus is alive today. Although not in his human bodily form, but Jesus is alive today. The same Jesus who spoke these words to the disciples of John. Now, Jesus at times has, is referred to in Scripture as a stumbling block. And uh, we read from the book of 1 Peter 2.8 where it says, A stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. You see, John was doubting, and, and Jesus knew that, but he did not want John to fall away or to stumble. Jesus was telling John that, yes, I, Jesus, am the one. I am the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There was no need for John to wait for another. That same truth applies to you and I. So I don't know about you, but it seems to me that we're always waiting for the next something, the next iPhone. Some of you who might be Star Wars fans might be waiting for the next episode of The Mandalorian, um, the next technologically advanced car that will do something that we did not think a car would or should do. We're always waiting for the next something. But see, we don't need to wait. The world doesn't need to wait for another Messiah or another Savior. Why? Because he's already come. He fulfilled Scripture. He gave his life to cover the sins of you and I, and his name is Jesus Christ. He is eternal, from John 8, 58. He is the way, the truth, and the life, from John 14, 6. He's a leader worth following from Matthew 16:24. He's the Alpha and the Omega from Revelation 1:8. He's worthy to be praised in all times from Matthew 21:9. He is Lord of all. 1 Corinthians 8:6. He's the savior of the world, John 3:17. He is the son of God, Luke 22:70. And here's the big one. He's the conqueror of death itself. Matthew 28, 6, that is who Jesus is. That is why we gather here on Sunday morning. It is the purpose of this church. That is who Jesus is. He has paid the price. He was buried. He rose on the third day. He ascended into heaven where he sits at the right hand of the Father. But you know what? In the midst of all of this, let us remember that he loves you and he loves me. He died for you and he died for me, but he also loves those people. He also died for those people, the ones who maybe we don't like being around, the ones who maybe we think, well, surely that person couldn't be a believer. Surely Jesus didn't die for them. He did. He died for them, he died for you, he died for me. He wants us to come to him. He is approachable, he is available, and he is alive today. Have you ever approached him? And did you know that you can? 
Now, um, I wanted to give you some spiritual take-homes today uh, that you can take with you and apply to your own life. The first one is short and sweet. Seek Jesus out. Seek Jesus out. He is waiting. He longs to have a relationship with you. Seek him out. He is available. Number two, stop waiting for the right time. The right time is today. Tomorrow is not always available. Jesus' offer of salvation is available to you right now. And number three, God doesn't view you as being insignificant. Despite what you may have heard other people say, God does love you. He sent his son to die for you. You are not insignificant. You are not irrelevant. You are not a nuisance. Please understand that. Our final verse this morning comes from the Apostle Paul, Galatians 2.20. And he says that I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, um, we worship you, Lord, and we honor you because you are worthy to be worshiped and to be honored. You sent your Son to die for our sins, Lord. You are gracious, you are merciful, you are holy, you are just, you are eternal. And Lord, I pray if there's anyone in this room this morning, Lord, and they do not have a relationship with you, that you would reveal yourself to them, Father. Please help them to understand, Father. Please help all of us to understand that we are not insignificant, that you love us, that you sent your Son to die for us. My prayer, Father, this morning is that this is pleasing to you, that your name would be glorified, Father, for only you are worthy to be praised, Father. I pray this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. All right, guys, well, at this point in the service, um, while the band plays, we want to give you an opportunity to pray with someone here at Firewell Bible Fellowship. I would like our prayer partners to come up front. Uh, maybe you just need someone to pray with you about a need you have, or you know what, perhaps you just want to give glory to God today for what he's done in your life. Either way, our prayer partners are available. Now keep in mind, um, as Adrian says this every Sunday, this is not a spectator event, okay? I would ask if you remain in your seat uh, that you pray as well during this time and continue in the worship of the one true God. This is what we do as the church. This is part of fellowship. Our prayer partners are available.
apologize. When I'm at my end, just getting started. When I hit a wall, you just walk through. When I face a mountain, you are the maker. So it's gotta move. I'm out of faith, you are still faithful. I'm at my worst. You are still good, and all of my questions, you are the answer, it all
Thank you, worship team. All right, gang. Well, um, you may be seated. Um, if you are a first-time guest, we do want you to know that we'd like to get to know you a little better. And you can scan the QR code behind me there. Or if you like, there's a connection card up front in the lobby that you could fill out as well so that we could come alongside you. I'm going to ask that the ushers come forward so we can worship the Lord through our giving. Now, I wish that everything was free here, but that's not the case. So it does cost money to, uh, to do church and to make some of the repairs in the building from the storm we had a couple of weeks ago. But uh, those things cost money. And so in, in, in this part of the service is also an act of worship. And this is why we do this every Sunday. Let me pray over the offering. Father, I just pray, Lord, that uh, just give us guidance in our giving here. I pray that this um, act of giving would be an act of worship and that it would be pleasing to you, O oh Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, and welcome to Firewheel Bible Fellowship, where we strive to be Christ-centered and gospel-focused. Here's a few things going on around Firewheel. Sunday, April 16th and 23rd, join us for a special event as we welcome Dr. Paul Weaver, professor of Bible exposition at Dallas Theological Seminary. He will be our guest speaker at the 11 a.m. service. Summer is right around the corner, and you know what that means, camps and VBS. Teen camp for ages 13 through 18 will be June 26th through July 1st. Junior camp for kids age 8 and have completed second grade through age 12 and completed sixth grade will be July 10th through 15th. Registration is open now. Turn in a registration form and $60 deposit by April 16th. Register online or pick up a registration form at the Connection Center. There are a limited number of spots, so register early. Any late registrations will be added to a wait list. If you'd like to sponsor a child for camp, contact Barbara at firewheelfellowship.com. And don't forget to add VBS to your summer calendar. VBS will be the week of July 24th. April 21st at 6.30 p.m., 
Join us for a night of worship and prayer as we come together to praise and honor our Savior. The prayer team will also be available to pray with you. For more information about anything going on around Firewheel, go online to firewheelfellowship.com or you can always check us out on social media. All right. Well, everybody would stand. Hey, I wanted to thank you for joining us this morning. I also wanted to thank the elders uh, for allowing me to get up here and share the word of the Lord with you. As I said at the beginning, I always consider it an honor anytime I get to do this. I will be available um, after the service to speak with you. If you so desire, I wish you all a blessed and joyful Sunday. So let me say the following benediction over you as we are dismissed today. May the Lord go before you to light the path and give you direction. May he go behind you to guide your steps. May he go beside you to keep you from stumbling. May he go above you to protect you. And may he go within you to give you the power of the Holy Spirit. And may our Father in heaven always grant you the character that is greater than your gift and humility that is greater than your influence. You are loved. God bless.